Hey, welcome to Tech Fan number uh, 246. I am Tim Robertson. He is David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. And, uh, you know, if it's not one thing with David Cohen, it's another. You know, last show, he gets an iPhone stolen. This week, something even worse. Right off a car! Yay! Your your wife was in a car accident. First, is- first of all, I assume that she's okay. I mean, we're... Yeah. She has some... Well, my, my wife and my daughter, actually. My six-year-old daughter was also in the car. So um, she has some back pain. Um, your wife or your daughter? My my daughter seems to be okay, actually. She was she had a couple of bruises from the seatbelts. Um, but uh, and my wife had has some bruises, but she also has some kind of soft tissue-related back pain because the car was jolted very hard sideways. So, um, but but it's not... It's not debilitating. It was for the first few days, but she's up and about now. And, you know, with with uh, kind of painkillers and everything, she's managing. So that's a blessing. Which is why we're recording two days later than we usually do, I Indeed. should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I she actually wasn't, wasn't expecting to, to do a show at all this week when you told me what happened. Yeah, well, you know, life has to move on. And, and frankly, with what we've been dealing with the last few weeks, my son's also been in the hospital since we came back from vacation. Um, I, you know, I'm very keen to get back to some semblance of normality uh, for all of us, really. So Makes sense. Um, this seemed a good opportunity to do it. And, yeah, I, I need to, you know, I've been running around doing everything. I need to decompress. I need to do some me things as well. Um, as, as, assuming, of course, that that you know everyone is in a position that that I can do that, and they are today. So, good. There we go. Well, so yeah, I'm what glad happened it wasn't is, too serious. Yeah, well, you know what? It was. It was more than just kind of an annoying accident. It was, and it could have been very serious. And in fact, you know, she was fairly lucky. So basically, what happened is uh, Monday night she was taking my daughter to a swimming lesson. And this is about six thirty in the evening, so it's it's rush hour, and we have these little roads around here in Manchester. And um, there's one particular main road not far from where we live, and she's trying to pull out into that road to turn right. And remember, uh, we drive on the other side of the road from you guys, so sure. that's the equivalent of a left turn to you. And she comes to this road, and the road is blocked solid with traffic. But the side road she's coming out of, they've painted a keep clear box onto the junction. So there are no cars stopped directly in front of her. So she's looking to turn right. So the car that's waiting at the traffic indicates that he's not going to try and block this this thing because he can't go anywhere anyway. And indicates that, that you know, if she wants to pull out in front of him to turn right, he's perfectly happy for her to do that. So she starts to do that, and obviously, you know, vision is restricted, so she's being very slow. She's barely moving the car as she looks forward, and she's looking to her left to make sure no traffic is coming down from the left That's uh, if she were to pull out in, to make sure she doesn't pull out in front of somebody. And while she's doing this, some um, misguided person about three, four cars back from where she is uh, in this queue of traffic, decides what he's going to do is to avoid having to queue. He's going to pull out of the line of traffic, drive on the wrong side of the road at speed to make sure he gets out of the way before somebody's coming the other way to get up to the traffic lights that are beyond where she is. Wow. So, of course, he does this. He can't see her. Uh, and as she's as she's itching forward to see whether it's clear and she's looking to the left, he basically hits the front of her car at at some considerable speed. He was doing at least 25, 30 miles an hour. So that jolts the car sideways. The actual physical damage to the car didn't look that bad, but you know, because it was such a big impact, there was a lot of crush damage underneath. All the airbags in the car went off. Um, you know, and had she been a little bit further forward, or had the road been clear enough that she was decided to actually make her maneuver and pull all the way out to the right, he would have T-boned her. So then it would have been very serious. So. Um, Anyway, you know, they pushed the car to the side of the road. She was in some pain. My daughter was in some pain. They called an ambulance. They called the police. The police took statements from everyone who'd seen what this is. The police indicated to me when I got there that they were going to throw the book at this guy for driving without due care and attention. Um, but unfortunately, you know, she's driving a three-year-old car, and it got crunched at the front end, and all the airbags went off. And, you know, at that point, you look at the the amount of damage that's on it, and the insurance company, of course, says, well, "Yeah, we're, we're, that's not economical to repair, so we have to th- write the car off." So, you know, that was all. So we've been dealing with that all week. Any word about 
what's happened to the sky? Or do well, you not, they don't the give you the procedure is updates? that they, they, the police send a report to their kind of traffic unit who decides what action they're going to take, if any. Um, the police said they may just caution him. That's a, a kind of a, a caution. Is a, is a, it, well, it's a legal term here. Uh, basically, a police caution is, is effectively the police saying, you are very lucky we are not prosecuting you. Um, it's something that's kept on a record. Um, and um, it's one step below, actually, kind of a misdemeanor. Well, I guess it's kind of like a misdemeanor charge in the States. You know, it's a low-level charge. Yeah. Then they could then they could actually um, prosecute him for driving without due care of attention, due care and attention, but depending on his record, that doesn't necessarily mean he'll go to court. That could mean that he's sent on a driver awareness course or something like that, and he's probably going to have some marks on his license from that. Or they may decide to actually prosecute him and take him to court, in which case we'll get to hear about it because we'll probably have to give some sort of evidence. So um, I, we probably won't, unless... I don't think it's going to go that far, unless this guy is... You know, done it before. Has done it before, yeah. If he's had traffic incidents before, then then it may go to court. But otherwise, no. We'll probably never hear about it again. Crazy, you know. But of course, we're dealing with the insurance company and trying. And uh, even though we have a police report that basically kind of says this guy, this guy's fault, the insurance company, in their wisdom, has still not decided what liability is. So we've got costs involved, and obviously, we've had to go out and figure out what to do about a new car very quickly. But insurance um, will pay for the new car. No, insurance basically gives us the market value of our current car. It doesn't b- replace you with a new car. So that they, they'll, they've, they've already said they'll, they'll pay us what the market value of, of our car is. Now, our car is on a lease, uh, kind of contract hire, so that just goes straight to the leasing company, and that's it, kind of walk-away deal. So, um, But that, that then obviously means that we are without one car, so we have to go and buy another one. Crazy. So, um, yeah, it is. You know, look, these things happen. The important thing is nobody's hurt. So That is the important thing, absolutely. You know. Well, I'm sorry this guy, happened to her. Well, it, yeah, it was, it, as I said, it was, you know, one thing. It seems like one thing after another at the moment, but I guess that's life. Um, I think I think she's getting over it now a little bit, so uh, we'll see how things go. Well, uh, please pass my uh, best wishes to her. Will do. So the tech world has been a little bit crazy the last few weeks. If we, if uh, we've been talking about here on Tech Fan, and it doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon, David. It doesn't. We had that quiet period after Christmas, but now you know there are po- political and discussion things going on, and then in a few weeks we're going to have um, the rumor is another Apple event, and then things will start picking up into the spring season for new launches and stuff. So uh, yeah, a lot going on. So what do you think? A lot of science stuff in the news as well, which is interesting. A lot of what? Science stuff. Oh, science stuff. Oh, yeah. No, science, that's... science seems to be getting a lot of coverage at the moment. I, that makes me very happy. Yeah, It really absolutely. does. Right here in the United States, it's everything seems to be political this, political that. You know, I, every single news website I go to, it's all just Donald Trump said this and Hillary Clinton is in trouble for that, and then it's just, I, I get tired of hearing about it, to be honest. Um, I, I Yeah, I am slightly disturbed that neither of the, well, none of the candidates are really talking about science as it applies to their politics. I mean, climate change not being discussed. No, uh, Bernie Sanders uh, has been talking about climate change a little bit, uh, but he's probably mm-hmm. about the only one. Uh, my understanding is Hillary Clinton does occasionally, but it st- sounds more like stump speeches rather than you know, actually yeah. proposing changes. I, you know, sometimes I get the impression that, you know, if somebody points at a telescope in the sky and saw a world-killing asteroid heading towards us, yeah, then there would be some parties who would claim that the science wasn't there, that this thing was actually going to hit us, and therefore it wasn't worth spending the money. And then you get other people who would say, yeah, we need to do this, but wouldn't actually drive forward the change. And we'd probably just sit here talking about it until the thing came and socked us in the face. Yeah, and of course, there's the third party who would say, uh, it's this is going to cost too much. It, it, yeah. It's just way too much money to do. Uh, it's some and it's kind of a ploy from the other the party. And, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, can, we, can, we can adapt to this. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have to look at this pending uh, asteroid strike is a job creator. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, lost taxes because of it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it, when I hear science stories, I, I almost always read them when I find them on Twitter, when I find them on Facebook. I was just reading one today about how dogs and recognizes human faces. And the only thing that they like to look at more is other dog faces, which, okay. I mean, yeah. I don't know why I spent the time to read it, but I was kind of curious. I was like, oh, how do they see human faces? And they kind of went into a little bit of detail and it was interesting. And I would rather read that than the latest political news. <laughs> yep. You'll probably find more cogent arguments in there. But the flip side of that is there are some things when it comes to technology that does fall into the political realm. Uh, the Apple and the iPhone and the government, the FBI. I'm, I'm honestly sick of talking and hearing about it. Um, but I do think it's kind of funny that Amazon was in the news this week for just this. Yeah, so this is the uh, – we've talked before about the uh, latest Fire tablets that Amazon's created. Um, they uh, effectively run a, an adapted version of Android, uh, which means they have device encryption built into them, but it's not turned on by default, presumably because particularly the, the $49 devices, a low-end device, there may be performance implications – the problem is they don't really talk about encryption in their web pages or anything at all. Uh, and the setting to actually turn it on is I've looked on mine and it's really hard to find. It's completely hid, buried about three levels down. Mm. So they announced uh, a couple of days ago that because nobody used this feature, they were going to remove it from – well, they have already removed it from um, Amazon OS, Fire OS. And um, obviously once people got wind of that, they then said, look, you know, the government's trying to force Apple to uh, open up one of their devices. Do you really think this is a good idea at this time? So within a day, they very quickly rode, rode back on that and said, no, we're going to restore it this spring. Um, probably won't restore it that quickly once the uh, fuss dies, dies down a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I, I think it's just a, a really bad PR move at the moment when, you know, you've got one tech company – as they would say it, saying they're fighting for our rights and fighting for um, reasonable privacy right. on the devices we use. And then at the same time, you've got another company going, oh, well, nobody uses it, so we're just going to take it away. You know, uh, and um, yeah, kind of a boneheaded move, I think. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, the flip side of that is, who is putting anything on a, on a Amazon Fire tablet that you probably need to encrypt. I guess maybe some people might do their taxes on there, but almost everyone I know and, and the people who use the Fire tablets is just a consumption device. They play a few games on it. They watch a few things on it. They read on it, and that's about it. But it doesn't cost Amazon anything to leave encryption there. It's not like they're saving money. So why would they... Re I, it doesn't make any sense. And if someone does enable it, and they see a performance hit. Well, that's on the cut. I mean, yeah, we, you and I don't know. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I don't know why they would go and remove it. No, I don't. I, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, I, I, I guess um, you would imagine most people who were doing serious computing on a tablet would use something more powerful than a, than a, a fire uh, tablet. But some people, just like Amazon, and are just going to say, I, "I just want one device, and that's that's what it is." The point is, we're always being told that the you know the consumer is king, and the consumer should have choice. Yeah. So why would you take a choice away? And when, as you say, I mean, nobody's criticizing them for not building a secure enclave or some sort of hardware encryption support to these devices. But if if it's in the OS anyway, why would you remove it? Unless it's causing a bug, it's causing a problem. Who knows? Maybe if you turn encryption on on Amazon devices, it it causes more than performance problems. But I've you know, never heard of I, it I, before. I, I didn't even I, know I, yeah, there I, was encryption on there. I kind of assumed that there I was. Think, but. I, th I think that's that's a, that that's a separate problem. I think. Um, if if 
if devices have in this in the environment we live in today if devices have the capability of encryption i believe personally that i would prefer tech companies to ensure their products can use it without a performance hit and enable it by default and that doesn't mean that every device is going to be as secure as an apple device just because you have encryption that doesn't mean that it's completely bulletproof and it can't be uh, it can't be unencrypted by the fbi or anybody else for that matter but I'd prefer um, – I'd, I'd like to see all tech companies do that by default on all devices, no matter what they are, just so that we have a, a limited amount of protection from somebody doing um, you know, a general level of, of trying to access the devices. I, I, I just think that's a, that's a sensible marketing plan for anybody who's selling technology at this point. And look, we talked, we talked last week about – how uh, you know my Nissan Leaf is, is basically had completely unsecured communications back to a server. That sort of kind of lacks attitude, and, and this is the same with Amazon. This is like, oh, well, it's there, but it's just a tick box. And if we take the tick box away, who cares? Well, actually, we all care. We all should care, uh, because otherwise, companies don't build security in from the start. They just treat it as an add-on, and they don't do it properly. You know, I wonder also- if it's because Apple is at heart a technology company. Amazon and Nissan are just not. I mean, a- Amazon, if anything, is a storefront. They're Walmart. And Nissan's a car company, which, you know, that kind of is a definition of a tech company in some respects, but it's not. They're a transportation company. Um, well, yeah, I'd, I, I would say certainly if you look at them, their market for the Leaf, those are biased towards technical people. Yeah, they are, te- but that's it's simply a demographic of one of their transportation devices. That doesn't agree, make them a tech company. It, no, I it, I agree. It doesn't make them a tech company, but I think you've got to you've got to service the needs of your demographics to what those demographics would expect, and what they don't expect is lousy security. Yeah. And I, you know, in fact, I would argue, yes, they're Nissan are a transportation company, but they certainly here in the UK, they sell a lot of their vehicles on the basis of technology. I've got a um, a Nissan X Trail as a as a rental car from the insurance company while um, while this was being sorted out. Once we had this accident, now this is a, a high end car, and it's stuffed full of electronic technical features that you look through the brochures for these cars and that's what they sell these these equipment options are what they sell to differentiate their models mm-hmm. yeah this one has it has cameras that mean that when you reverse it it looks like um you've got a view from overhead so you can see all around the car it has lane detection warning so if you drift out of lane it warns you it has a radar in it so that if somebody steps out in front of you or a car slows down in front of you it warns you and then it brakes for you it has all of these different things and it has a high-tech sat nav in there um with google integration so this is all technical stuff this is not you know, it's all electronics-related, consumer electronics-related. So I don't believe if you're going to put that stuff in your vehicles, it's good enough to just turn around and say, oh, yeah, well, security is an afterthought, because nobody wants those things to become a vulnerability in their vehicle. Yeah, nobody wants their true. lives to be risked. You won't want your lives to be risked by the lane detection warning system or the radar system not working properly because of a bug. So why should you accept it with not working properly because somebody's hacked it, because they didn't bother putting security on it? One of the problems that you run into with automobile manufacturers is you do have all of these very high-tech things. Here's what most people don't probably realize. Nissan doesn't actually build these things. They're all sourced from hundreds of different parts suppliers throughout the entire world. And building a car, manufacturing them, is a very very hard thing to do. It's it's a lot more difficult than cell phones and computers. Now, yes, there's part yep. suppliers for those as well, but it's a whole different level. That's one of the reasons that a lot of people question whether Apple could be successful jumping into the car market. Now, just because they're a new company coming into the car market doesn't mean they won't see success. Um, Tesla is a, a prime example of that, Definitely. but. But <laughs> it's a whole different world. Um, you know, I, I live in Michigan. Hey, I, I, the car well, industry rules yeah. Michigan. So when Chrysler, Ford, and GM were in dire straits, it wasn't just those companies that were affected. It was all of the parts suppliers 
throughout the entire yeah. state. So it wasn't just Detroit that got hit hard. It was everywhere. I mean, we have a place here in Battle Creek called Fort Custer. Yes, it's the Custer that did the... Bleh. Anyways, uh, it's an industrial park. And there's a lot of uh, part suppliers out there. I worked for one very, very briefly uh, back in the 80s. Um, hated it, by the way. It was not... It, basically, I was making um, the washer fluid uh, container. And mm -hmm. I think it was either a Honda or a Toyota. Uh, plastic injection molding. And, you know, that place employed hundreds of people. I only did it for less than a month and I had to get out of there. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, so that's a couple hundred people that's working at that place. And if Toyota or whoever was the cars that were supplying these parts for slow down because of an economy or bad decisions or whatever, that's a lot of people that this company now has to lay off or slow down production. Um, so it's a lot of different moving parts. And in some respects, you could say, well, Nissan can't be on top of everything. So if there's a security hole, it's not necessarily Nissan's fault, right? Well, wrong, oh, I'm sorry. because it's their yeah. car. It, it's their it's, car. It's, 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 they have to hold the supplier responsible. Ultimately, it is Nissan's fault. The supplier gives them what Nissan asks for. And if Nissan says, we want this system, we want it to work, and we want it as cheap as possible, then unfortunately it's not going to have security in it. And also, Nissan is responsible for integrating all those systems into its vehicles. They can't turn around and say, That's oh, right. well, all we do is plug it in and turn it on. Yep. We, you know, they... they Provide, they present the vehicles. If you if you buy a brochure for a, if you pick up a brochure for a Nissan car, it does not say that it has um, a Bosch sat nav and a you know a, a Delphi um, anti roll system or anything like that. It, they're all branded Nissan. They all have special Nissan names. They all have marketing names that the Nissan marketing department come up that uh, that tell you that tell you what these div what these things are called they're all they the same system is called different things by different manufacturers whether it's made by the same parts company underneath or not so yeah it is it is their their fault the you know the responsibility lies with them otherwise every single car company ever whenever you know, look look what's just happened with toyota they've they've um well most of the japanese companies have recalled hundreds of thousands of cars because of an airbag problem I've and got the airbag problem. Is, is one japanese airbag supplier yeah, but they all have to take responsibility for it themselves. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually, sorry they a, do. And that's a, something I actually have to do with my car. I keep meaning to make the time to to set an appointment with the Honda dealer because I've got one of those passenger side airbags that's covered under this recall. Well, I would not delay because my wife just went through airbags going off, and you got to remember about airbags is that they're there to keep you alive and they're there to minimize your injuries. They are not like you see in the movies, big fluffy cushions that will mean you walk away without a scratch. No. Yeah. And and the airbag going off them, so I know from the accident we had a few years ago, the airbag going off itself is a big traumatic event. Uh, and it can hurt you. Bits and pieces fly around. It's an explosion right in front of you. Bits and pieces fly around the car, fills the car with smoke. Yeah. It's not remotely funny. So I would urge you to... Uh, Get that done this week. <laughs> yeah, my, it's, it is in my uh, plans coming up. So yeah, we do have some feedback. We're going to get to that after we take a break here. Uh, we've got a, a few more things to talk about, but before we head our head to our break, we we're talking about science and technology. There was an interesting article that I read, Dave, and I don't know if you followed the link in our show notes from Tech Connect. It's basically yep. a wireless technology that they're testing with monkeys that allow monkeys to control a wheelchair with just their thoughts. And the implications that this could have for people who are paraplegic, for instance, that they even have a hard time blinking. There's there's people that's had traumatic car accidents, for instance. Uh, there was a guy who played for the Detroit Lions way back in the 90s. I remember watching the game. He was paralyzed from the neck down. Um, <clears throat> not everyone has the use of their hands that they can manipulate a controls for a wheelchair. So this is the kind of technology that I think more people should know about. I mean, Tech Connect isn't a huge website. Uh, the only reason I found this is because I get emails from them, which I don't, mm -hmm. I don't even know how I get their emails, but I do. Um, 
this is the kind of thing I would love to see on CNN's front page instead yeah. of whatever Donald Trump insulted the, yeah, this the, week. The, prob- the problem is, is that the way mainstream media reports this stuff is like, oh, look, look what they can do. This will be here around the corner. You know, they, they'll kind of dumb it down. This is, this is a research project, and, yep. and it's, you know, it's cred- incredibly interesting. Um, but, you know, these are very, very early days. They're trialing this stuff in monkeys. Having said that, I think the, the use of stimulating electrodes, I mean, these electrodes are not kind of... You, you, when you hear the word electrode, you imagine like a big steel spike. <laughs> they don't stick a steel spike in your head. No, they, these uh, are nanotubes. Kind of like the, that are implanted yeah, on the brain. Yeah, tiny microfilaments, yeah, yep. that they can put into a certain part of the brain. It's still, yeah, not the sort of thing you're going to do on your kitchen table. No. But, um, I, I, in fact, I saw a, a news report yesterday on the BBC about a um, a guy who has Parkinson's disease, and they're using direct brain stimulation to stop the tremors in Parkinson's disease. Wow. And they actually showed this. They showed this guy, and this guy, you'd look at him, and you would not know he has Parkinson's. And then they use kind of this wireless doodad to turn the stimulation off, and he he just dissolved into, uh, you know, kind of what you would imagine like a real bad Parkinson's patient would look like. So it's a real transformation, and, um, you know, really very interesting that, that kind of these direct intervi- interventions can now – um, you know, bring such benefits to to patients. And this goes um, back so to I've, our encryption and security. I mean, yeah. what kind of security do you think you would want if you were suffering from Parkinson's disease and and had this technology that allows you to function normally or as close to normally as, as you can get right now? And you're driving so and someone you, yeah. can just turn you off. Yeah, or, or make your tremors come back or anything. Uh, there's, I mean, it's well known in the security community that um, medical device security is as much of a joke as it, as it is in cars. Yep. Um, and obviously, as they move to more wireless technologies, that becomes a real worry that somebody could reprogram an insulin pump remotely, for instance, yep. and alter the dosage, which could kill somebody. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, that. That is that is really a rudimentary stuff and and really needs to be sorted out. But um, yeah, unfortunately, look I'd, as a as an example, I was sat in the emergency room, uh, accident and emergency, with my wife on Monday night while she was waiting to be checked out, and they had a big kind of twenty four inch uh, pair of screens there that showed the X rays. Uh, one was kind of turned vertically and then one was horizontally and they bring up the x-rays and they're looking at this and, and they did this, just this station happened to be right in front of the cubicle we were in so I could see them doing this and I saw them look at the x-rays I thought it was so interesting everything they then walked away and the thing went to screensaver and it's running Windows XP right, exactly <laughs> which is you know, sounds to me like a huge security problem or a potential security problem. You know, in, um, here in the United States, one of the things, I will give this up to some of the politicians talking about this, but usually this is at local levels, governments, uh, or governors, I should say, talking about rebuilding the infrastructure in the United States. And we've talked about this before. The infrastructure that we have here in the States was really built in the 50s. Um, it's crumbling a lot of it. Some of it is being redone. I, those who've been listening to this show for a while will remember um, we did a show while they were rebuilding my road. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a surface thing. It wasn't an actual infrastructure. It's just, you know, ripping up what was there and laying down something new. And even that, they didn't rip everything out. They just kind of roughed it up so the new stuff has something to stick to. But I'm talking about bridges. I'm talking about the actual infrastructure, uh, the piping, the sewer systems, the everything, right? And yeah. I, and I think as the infrastructure of this country and many others are rebuilt once again, and this is this will always be an ongoing thing. You can't just build an infrastructure and think it's going to be good forever. We have to have the technologies updated. So if your community is going to run, say, fiber throughout the entire city, you have to have the right infrastructure in place to both support the, the, the fiber, and you have to make sure that that fiber is going to be secure. Because yeah. as we go to more and more digital everything, technology in charge of medical devices, te- technology in charge of um, 
stoplights at, at intersections, at how you get your mail, how you, everything. We have to have the encryption. We have to have the security. So everything works correctly where you can't get some hacker that can really cause a lot of problems, cause not just infrastructure type problems, but life and death. Yeah. We just have to get serious about it. And you have to upgrade technologies. You can't be using Windows 95 in 2016. You have to invest in something new. How how difficult would it be for someone to, to hack that system? It's Windows XP. Well, I, I, I don't know. Um, it, for all I know, it could be uh, XP embedded. It could be a stripped-down XP. They could have done something to security, you know, to improve the security on it, but I suspect not. Um, I suspect the system was developed back when XP was still in general use. Yep. And, you know, like many public <clears throat> projects, I mean, this is the problem with infrastructure is that Public projects focus on the upfront capital cost, and then they never leave enough money in the budget for uh, ongoing maintenance. No, because that's the you next know, guy's then, problem. Yeah. So, so basically, that or if they do, that's the first thing that gets cut when money gets tight. Yeah. And so that, or if they do and it gets put in the budget, then the next year that gets redirected to something else. You know, the thing and so is, these systems never get updated. Um, I, I've always, <laughs> I've always used this analogy to myself. And I know it's true for me, and I'm sure it's true for you. Our future selves are much smarter than our current selves. And I think everyone's like this. Future Tim is much smarter than current Tim. Uh, In that, future Tim will figure it out. So I don't have to now. I'll put it off until later because future Tim will have the answer. I saw a great great article this week. I read that too. Yeah, the they, the one about the guy doing the TED talk on yes. procrastination. Yeah, yeah, and he actually drew the cartoon of, you know, him saying talking to uh, January, kind of October t- Tim, November yeah. Tim, December Tim. Yeah. Right, you know, this month you're going to do this, so that's your job. And then each month the guys kind of slack off. Yeah, and gives it to the <laughs> so guy it's next. Every Tim who's got to give the talk, and none of it's done. <laughs> it was great. It was a really great example. I liked that. it yeah. because a it was Tim, but b yeah. I've had these exact same thoughts for a long time that I try to break that too, knowing that, you know, March and April, Tim, isn't going to be any smarter than February, Tim. So let's just get this done now. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I, you know, the governments do this. The hospitals do this. The police departments do this. The, everybody does this. They, they fix the immediate problem, but they leave the long-term effects to the future because somebody then will fix it. That's why we have problems with the environment. That's why we have problems with rogue nations. That's It's always somebody else's problem in the future, and they'll figure it out. We've, we've got to get yep. rid of that mentality. Let's take a quick break, and uh, David and I will be right back. Hey, guy. There's a new podcast out. Great. What's it about? Let's Talk Apple. Well, yeah, we will. We will. But uh, what's the podcast called? Let's Talk Apple. Okay, if you want to. Uh, Rainier, Silken, Gold Rush, Pippin. What are you on about? I'm talking Apple. Huh? That's what you wanted, wasn't it? Us talking about apples? Well, there we go again. Tangentially, as usual, moving off topic. Did you know Bart Bouchotts has a new podcast out? Yep. Let's talk Apple. Oh, jeez. Back here on Tech Fan number two thir- uh, no, 246. Um, and, and I'm just enjoying the fact that we are now in the future, so we are we're in the future. Smarter than we were before. Yeah, I'm much smarter than the Tim that was <laughs> brought us into this last break here. <laughs> so Scott Wilsey kicked us a couple um, tweets out on the uh, Twitter account. Uh, yep. He said, uh, last episode was great. Agreed with it all, of course. And sorry for David B. Cohen at David B. Cohen, having a bad day. Of course, that's kind of about your uh, phone. (laughs) Yeah. Got a new phone, by the way. So uh, the phone is back up and running. Still nothing's popped up on Find My... Oh, no, no, absolutely not. In fact, funny enough, the uh, police actually asked my iCloud account details so they could uh, track it down. I've not heard from them either, so uh, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, you won't say it again. He also wrote, you know the commonality between Nissan and the U.S. government. Don't do the right thing until exposed, and maybe not even then. 
good point, Scott. Yeah. It it, yeah. it kind of goes with what I was just saying. Yeah, look at Volkswagen. It's becoming increasingly clear that they knew about this defeat device problem um, for some time before it got found out, and they didn't, you know, do the vol. And they, they, look, the the the, the, the other commonality between Nissan and the U.S. government is that they are generally unwilling to do things that will cost them money unless forced to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of companies that are like that. But I will say, you know, we we beat on Apple quite a bit this last couple of months. Apple isn't one of those companies, generally speaking, that will save a couple bucks and not do the right thing, i.e., they will yeah. spend the money. I mean, look, they're fighting the FBI. This is not a small thing. This is expensive. Um, uh, and not only that, I mean, what's this, this, the the tangible upside for them is 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 really risky here because the public may decide they don't give a damn about encryption yep. or the public may decide well you know they, they may take that very selfish view is well i want my phone to be encrypted but you know if it's a terrorist involved then all bets are off and of course that's a stupid argument because you either all have encryption or and security or nobody does yep. and that's kind of what apple are trying to say but a lot of people don't see it like that particularly when they don't understand the technical things so this could be a huge loss for apple i mean they could lose this case and spend a lot of money on it, and then have to do these things they don't want to do anyway. Uh, and at the same time, they may find that their um, buying public really aren't interested in this as a selling point for their devices. So they are taking a huge risk here, purely because they believe it's the right thing to do. And I wish more companies would do that. And unfortunately, yep. you know, they just don't seem to be. A good example of that, Oh, let's before we get to that, though, uh, John Nemo sent in an email. Bad news on David's phone. How will you respond when you see this thief again? I don't think you'll ever well, see this thief again. I, well, no, but I've got to be honest with you, John. I mean, he was in my face for 10 seconds. Yeah, and he, I probably wouldn't recognize him again if I saw him again. He was, you know, he was just a guy. I, and human memory, we are really bad at <laughs> remembering what people look like unless we know them unless we're you know engaged with them in any sort of way so i probably would not recognize him again even if he walked right up to me until he pulled my phone out of his pocket and offered it back to me yeah so um but you know i'm not i'm not the sort of guy who's gonna go chasing people down and tackle them in the street that's really not my style so uh, you say very that, much and i was gonna say I'm, I'm with you but there's video evidence that i'm not with you on that one you remember that well the YouTube thing uh, that I posted? You don't remember. Oh it's okay. yeah. It's okay if you don't remember. You don't have to you don't have to say, Oh yeah, I remember that and you don't. Uh, well no, no I I'm I, I remember the I remember you posting a YouTube video, but I can't really remember the content. So. It was uh a couple, I was working at Mac Specialist. Um Oh that's right. Yeah, I do remember. Somebody yeah. somebody stole some iPads. And <laughs> and like an idiot uh, you know, instead of just watch them run out the door, I ran after them, no, which is about the dumbest thing you can possibly well, do. Yeah, I mean, when my phone was stolen, I went out to the street to see if I could see the guy. Uh, I didn't, I didn't just, um, you know. But as I said, looking at it afterwards, I remember him talking to a couple of other girls in in the in the store for about five seconds before he left and then as i said last week i'm sure he handed off the phone to them because that's what these guys do so because they know that there is a chance that somebody's going to come running out and coming after them and they don't want to have the phone on them so you know then they can hold up their hands and say i didn't do anything i didn't do anything so that is the game for those so, by um, the way for those who would like to see this i'm going to put it i'm going to post a link to the youtube video of these two guys stealing iPads. Uh, this was back in 2011. And you will see me chasing them out of the store. <laughs> and for those wondering, oh, which one is Tim? Um, let me see. Let me back up what I was wearing you're, there. You're the I'm, big I'm, slow I'm, I'm, the, I'm the last guy out the door in the tan coat. And I almost fall on my face as I <laughs> round the door. Um, yeah. It, it was pretty stupid. I, and here's the thing. They were young, very athletic, and I started catching the guy. I was catching up to him when I run around the corner, and that's when I realized, what What am I possibly going to do if I catch this guy? 
How, how freaking stupid am I? When am I going to tackle him and beat the crap out of him over a stupid iPad? And so I wisely kind of slowed down and pulled up. <laughs> um, yeah, just just let people go. <laughs> Don't go after them. So if even if you did see the thief that stole your iPhone, just walk the other way because you know what? It's it's a freaking iPhone. Who cares? It's it's not worth yep. him pulling a knife and, and gutting you right there. No. No. So this was an interesting story. And I think th- this is a problem for the future. It's, it's not necessarily happening right now, but Tim Sweeney is the uh, CEO of what is the, what is his company? Uh, Epic. Epic. Epic Games. He's quiet most of the time, but when he speaks out, he's usually pretty vocal. And he's worried what Microsoft is doing with Windows 10. That they're going to make it a not open operating system. Well, uh, yeah, the the driving behind this is that Microsoft's strategy uh, in terms of all their development tools and the things they want to do for Windows 10 is they want to move to... Uh, what they call the universal Windows platform, yep. which means that all Windows apps, including games, will be available through the Windows Store and um, subject to the same sort of strictures that you get on the Mac App Store. You know, kind of a 30% cut to Microsoft, um, guidelines on what isn't and isn't acceptable, but also um, where... where um, where uh, the Mac App Store has sandboxing and a few kind of development-driven things like Gatekeeper and security and that sort of thing, Microsoft is is talking about going much, much further. And so basically they're saying that, you know, if you don't have software that comes from the Mac App Store, uh, from the Windows Store, ultimately, you won't have software. It will be the only place you can load software to Windows 10, which, (laughs) given where Microsoft currently is, I think is... Is a I think it's a, it's a very bold ask of them. I can't ever see them ever pulling it off, to be honest. I can't um, either, but do you want to read the quote here that I have? Why, yeah, e- why yeah, Epic's sure. uh, Tim Sweeney blasted Microsoft in a bid to keep Windows 10 open. He says, My fear is stoked somewhat by the Windows 10 experience overall. It's very hard to replace your default web browser. When you installed Chrome in the past and ran it, it would say, Want to make Chrome your default web browser? Now you can't do that. Microsoft does not allow that. To make Chrome your default web browser, you have to dig through the massive Windows 10 interface, find a hidden scroll bar, and scroll over and click an obscure icon to change it to Chrome. It's this spirit of making the system theoretically open. It's theoretically possible to change your web browser, but so damn difficult that you can expect very few people will do it. So they gain market share for these products unfairly by disadvantaging competitors. Very difficult for users to express their personal choice. And that's really what what it comes down to right there to me. Yeah. He's, what he's talking about is that there are other web stores where you, there are other online stores where you can buy um, software, and, and Epic uses them. Places like Steam, um, and under this model, eventually Steam would not be allowed on a Windows 10 box. Nope. You wouldn't be able to run games from Steam. Um, you would only be able to get them from Microsoft. Uh, and and there are now concerns being expressed in the. I think. I think Sweeney might have said this in in the kind of a wider piece um, in in his wider comments because he made quite a lot of more comments on on this that he was worried that some of the DirectX technology which you use to actually program games for Windows would not be available unless you were using a um, unless you were creating an app for the store. Yep. Um, which obviously then would disadvantage. Now you know if Microsoft goes down that route, they're going to get a whole world of trouble because they've done, been done for what's viewed as being uh, anti-competitive kind of, you know, market-dominant stuff, things before with Internet Explorer. This is the sort of stuff they pulled back in the 90s, and they got, um, you know, a massive judgment against them for it, and they had all sorts of things imposed on them. So I think they'd be daft to try and go down that route again, but who who the heck knows? I don't think Microsoft learns their lessons when it comes to stuff like this. I, I think they've got a track record of when they get caught doing something, they back away, but then they slowly come back and do it again. And so, I, I mean, I, this is exactly this. what Microsoft wants long term. Let's not kid ourselves. Well, of, of course, course they yeah, want absolutely. this. I think that I think it's it's a weak strategy for a number of reasons. 
Firstly, as I say, I think it'd be very difficult for them to achieve because there's such a huge market of software out there today that is not and will never run in the Windows Store. So all of a sudden you're meant to throw everything away and buy it all again just because they've got this new model that doesn't really, to the consumer, give many advantages. I don't, I don't see that happening, point one. And, you know, Windows 7 is still out there. People can always go back to a version of the OS that doesn't do this if they don't want to. Yep. Microsoft has tried this before with Windows 8. They were very big on the store and nobody embraced it and nobody put apps in it and the store itself experience is horrible. Uh, and then, you know, Apple's not exactly going great guns with the Mac App Store. Mac App Store suffers from many of the same criticisms and, you know, is a bit of a you know, when you go in there at the moment, you can see a bit of tumbleweed flowing around. You can. It's really not a particularly vibrant place. No, it's so, not at all. Uh, I, Developers I haven't think, embraced it the way that they really wanted to. And, and I think actually Microsoft is they're barking up the wrong tree with this. They are their strength is cloud and cloud technologies, and I think what they should be doing is they should be pushing developers that way. And, div- and saying, look, really what you want to do is you want to you want to make your apps available via the cloud so that they appear on any computer and they save state and that sort of thing, rather than these kind of, you know, artificial, oh, you've got to buy it from the app store, we'll get our 30%, we'll kind of force you to do that because we, you don't want to do it yourself. Um, you know, there's, it's not like Microsoft's the only game in town now. Yeah, but a- Apple doesn't have a great track record of this either. Um, no, they I, seem to I, have backed off, but... You can still download stuff on a Mac and run it, but you get that warning. This was not a server, blah, blah, blah. You got to click this. You got to go into system preferences. It's ridiculous. It really is. And it does worry me that Microsoft and Apple will go down the sandboxing route with the desktop computers. When I say desktop, well, I mean you know, laptops as well. But but when we... we but we've just been talking at the beginning of the show about security. I mean, you, one thing you can't deny is that sandboxing makes these apps more secure. Yeah. It makes them makes the system more secure, and it means that there's less likely for you to get malicious but stuff it, in it there. it has to be driven by the user, which is when you said it should be on by default. I don't know. I, I, I'm of two minds. Should the security, should the encryption be on by default or not? Shouldn't I have the right to turn it off or on? I think I think a right is one thing, but I think it's in a manufacturer's interest to do what's best for you despite yourself. Okay? So they could say it, the I same mean, thing about that, Microsoft could use that argument here. Well, the problem is they're loading all this extra stuff into it. It's very much, very much uh, analogous to the FBI saying we can't have phones that we can't break. Because then the terrorists can use them versus Apple saying, well, actually, you know, if you can break them, then you will break them. And that makes everybody insecure. So, so, you know, a choice. The problem with a choice is you have to a choice is more than just the first choice is whether you have the technology or the second choice is whether you enable it by default or not. The problem is, what's the point of having something that benefits everybody and yet you don't turn it on by default? You might as well have not bothered. Look, you we were just talking about your airbag. Yeah, they've issued a recall to your vehicle. They've told you the airbag might blow up in your face. Yeah, you have not immediately gone down and, and done that. You're saying, oh, it's on my list of things to do. You've got, a, you've got a bomb in your car that could blow up in your face, and you're not immediately doing it straight away because you're busy. Yeah, that, if that's, that's how people are with backups. That's how people are with encryption. That's how people are with everything on a computer that's actually good for them. But it's do you like, really oh, want checking that box? Is too right. much effort. But do you really I want Big Brother to say this is for your own good? We don't care what you think. We're going to do it regardless of think, your own liberties or not. I think I think it's it's a good thing to say to people: we are doing this. Be upfront about why you're doing it, and saying we believe this is in your best interests. If you don't like it, then you can turn it off. I don't know. I, I think in many respects, it is a case-by-case basis. It is a technology-by-technology technology basis. Um, I'm a big believer in freedom of speech and uh, liberty, but yet people are dumb. You know? Yeah. They're not going to do the right thing. Uh, yeah. Should they be forced to do the right thing? Well, I don't know. In some respects, yes. You should be forced to uh, use products that are is not going to endanger the environment. 
you don't have the right just to take the motor oil out of your car and dump it down the city drain. You don't have that right. By the same token, should Microsoft sandbox the entire operating system, should Apple give the FBI the tools to crack an iPhone, even though it will, there's no question it could, it will leak. I don't know, man. It's It's got to be a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Should Honda, I, I, should Honda be able to drive to my house and just take my car and fix it? Regardless of uh, I if think, I had a job I had to go to that morning? I, I, th- I think it depends on the severity of the situation, doesn't it? Um, I, I, you're, you're right that it's case-by-case thing. I think the difficulty with what um, Epic are saying about what Microsoft are doing is Microsoft are using these – well, they're not even really using these arguments. They're just saying they're going to do this. Well, yeah, they're saying they've um, explored it. They're, actually, Microsoft is saying they're not going to do it. Long-term, well, Microsoft says nope. they're they're not going to Actually, if, close if, it. If you if you if you read a lot of what they've said in um, kind of some of their background briefings and their kind of more technical stuff at build and everything, it looks like they're the going to years, Yeah, they are going down this route. Yep. And the reason they are going down this route is not for all these altruistic reasons of security no. and convenience and everything like that. It's because it supports their business. Yeah, it's because they are moving away from a, a world where people pay a license fee for Windows into a world where people expect Windows to come for free and they've got to make money off you elsewhere. And so because of that, they need to control the experience. And that's what they're trying to do. The problem I have with this is that Microsoft has proved very adept at um, providing a controlled experience that gives them money with cloud-based licensing. Office 365 is brilliant. Outlook.com is brilliant. All of these things are really, really good. And that's where they should concentrate on monetizing their business, not on these kind of ridiculous, let's lock it down on the desktop play and pretend that our phone, your, your computer is like a phone. Because it isn't, and Apple have tried that, and it doesn't work. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of TechFan. We'd love to get your feedback on everything we've talked about today or even one of the things we've talked about today. Uh, send us an email, the show at techfanpodcast.com, the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at techfanpodcast. Tech we are on the Facebook, or at least I am. David won't check it there. I will. And uh, if you leave a message there on Facebook for us, I'll put it in our show notes, and then David will see it. Uh, David is at David B. Cohen on Twitter, and I am at MyMac. I would invite you to visit MyMac.com. We do have a new weekly newsletter that's sent out on the weekend. So if you like good content, you like original content, reviews, how-tos, we've got 21 years of um, archives that we put in our newsletter. You can subscribe. It's not going to cost you a dime. We're not going to sell your stuff out to advertisers, any of that. It just kind of gives you a way to uh, stay up to date on what's going on at MyMac.com. So make sure you check out MyMac.com. Make sure you check out the MyMac podcast with Guy and Gaz and all the other shows in the Stoplight Network. David and I will be back in less than a week with uh, the next episode of Tech Fan. See you then, David. See you then.